Welcome to Code Grace, an episode-by-episode recap of Grey's Anatomy. I'm Teresa Rosado, and I'm joined by Patrice Anthony and Megan Tosky as we discuss the Season 3, Episode 1. Woo! We finally made it to Season 3. <laughs> it only took... <laughs> Three years. Three That's right. Years. <laughs> wow. I really felt something stirring in me as I watched this episode. Um, was it nausea? It's possibly because I watched it at work and it was a really hard day. <laughs> but it's also possible that it was the culmination of just such a long time. <laughs> but we made it. Yeah, it must feel really big for you and Meg. <laughs> She's like, wow, it's really flown by, guys. It's really incredible. I agree that this episode struck a chord with you, Teresa. I mean, like reading through your notes, like like, I was like, I was, I really noticed in your monsters tone and voice that that it like really spoke to you, Um, and it made you feel things. Yeah, yeah. I I was like kind of touched by that. That made me feel things. It did not make me feel things. I was hoping like after after I read your notes where you felt nothing, I was like, oh gosh, maybe I submitted my notes too late and no one will ever know all the feelings I had while I watched this <laughs> No, episode. no, no. We read the notes. But it, oh, was, yeah. it was really intense. And I think um, if I can be incredibly candid, I really think that when I'm not stoned, I lose the ironic detachment. Mm. that I have when I watch while I'm stoned. Oh, you know? I see, I see. So I see. typically when something sad happens and I have enjoyed myself that evening to settle in for an episode of Grey's Anatomy, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> God, oh my God, this is fucking ridiculous. But I was stone cold sober mm. sitting in my sad office. So what you're saying is that... And I was like, ow. What oh you're saying God. is that drugs loves her. dull your emotions. <laughs> Giselle died. Like, is that what you're saying, Teresa? I guess so. This is mm. like a dare ad. Me, yeah. Right. This is a PSA, kids. Listen, yeah. kids. Don't do Feel drugs. Feel your emotions. Don't yeah. do drugs. Except yeah. do them if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Who's doing the summary? <laughs> it's yeah, not summary. Megan because she's avoiding yeah. eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying oh, to see t- if anybody had a concise... Um, notes that I could look at because I never really take good like yeah. you know what I mean at the top like yeah. Patrice is always yeah. really good at like having the rounds right at the top oh yeah there yeah, they I are I do think middle. that Megan should do them now I'll do it it's, I don't mind it's been a while I'm feeling it I'm feeling it I can do it <laughs> Teresa can't do it she's too emotionally attached all right Megan with this episode summary in three two one go so this episode starts off with Izzy feeling super, super sad about the death of Denny. She's having a little bit of a pity party on the bathroom floor. Um, then we've panned to the hospital. A whole bunch of people have the flu. Two people in particular, Giselle and Omar, wind up actually having the plague and then they are quarantined. Um, and then we have a baby who was left in a trash can by a group of 14-year-old girls. And we spend much of the episode trying to figure out which of the 14-year-old girls had the baby and left her in a trash can. Wow. You nailed it. That was 30 seconds spot on. That was Boom. great. Applause. Woo! 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 Applause. Enter it- applause here. I'll try to find an applause sound effect. <laughs> we start off with Izzy <clears throat> on the bath. Is that the opening scene? Izzy on the bathroom floor? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's, so what I was sort of, when we started this episode or when I started this episode, I was really left with, and I think both of you commented on it too, that like, people are really sad in this episode. Like it starts off like this finale or this, you know, season two finale really left people in a dark place. Yeah. (laughs) Like just globally, you know? Yes. Yeah. It is like a very broad global darkness. And, um... I think that's why it resonated so much with me. I was like, oh my God. You were feeling a broad global darkness. Yes, I am. Um, And everyone was just in the same sad place. And I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. The fairy happens this season. You you had like a a grief orgasm because that's what it's like. Oh "Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the stuff. (laughs) Cry a little. So Um, (laughs) I'm, I'm thinking about like how there's a couple things going on here, right? That Izzy presumably has spent the entire night on the bathroom floor in her prom dress, which I agree, Teresa, mm-hmm. that is too long to be on the bathroom yeah. floor. It's not oh, long for grief, which just, we'll get to in a minute, but I'm like, thinking about my back. I feel pain oh. for yeah. her She's pretty on that young. tile floor. <laughs> I think I've slept on a bathroom floor before. I mean, I mean but she's I've not slept, sh- like, face slumped drunk. over a toilet, but yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Also, she hasn't been sleeping. Also, I feel like they're giving the impression that she's just been in that weird, ha- like, crisscross body position for a while. She could have been moving around that bathroom. Yeah, that's, you I know, bet maybe. she got up she to pee. She child's pose. You know. <laughs> she could have been doing anything in there. It's actually, it's, it is a really beautiful, like, opening scene. Her in that, in that lovely gown. Although dated, still beautiful to me. Just, like, lying on the backdrop of, you know, the stark the stark backdrop of the bathroom floor. That's it's really nice. And then having each I really liked having each character come in and lay with her. You know, um I guess humans lie, objects lay. So um mm-hmm. it was for that lesson. Yeah. That was nice folks. That's uh what I got my masters in. Um <laughs> but having the other having the other interns kind of lie down in the bathroom and in, in short sort of like share in her grief was really nice and a ritual kind of in and of itself it's an episode that's kind of playing with the idea of shiva mm-hmm. um right like can it be shiva if izzy's catholic you know and um i don't know it was, it was a nice touch there were a lot of nice small moments between characters in this episode yeah i think it also really solidifies them as like a family, the thing mm. that we've talked about before, yeah. that they're all in this together and they're all there to take care of Izzy. Um, because really, at any time, any of them could have been like, okay, I gotta go home or like, I need to go to the hospital or whatever. Which, like, also, they're still interns. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. none of them are at the hospital. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, it shows those tender moments between them as sort of family members. I totally agree. And I think that we see each of them really authentically show up as themselves, but also fulfilling a specific need that Izzy has. Right. Like I think, and I, and I really appreciate that. Right. Like George is no less Georgie when he's with Izzy. Christina is no less Christina E when she's with her. You know what I mean? Like we really see them authentically show up. Um, And I think we get sort of like tiny windows into maybe not their past, but in, in how they, grieve right and i think that's true for this entire episode right we see the grief that each of these characters have um and how they deal with it you know like i was really struck by how christina was relying on comedy you know with izzy she's like you know she's like doesn't hesitate to sort of crack jokes at izzy um 
And then she goes into a really dark, sad place at, in the same sort of almost in the same breath. Um, and I think that we see like the grief of her father in a lot of ways, right? Like this sort of mutual experience of like, we have lost somebody really, really important to us. And she kind of looks to Christina as like, you will get through this. And I, I, I don't know, I was just really struck by how authentic each of them were um, and how how good that feels is like, like, you know, like as, as sort of this chosen family, like that's a really satisfying moment, I think. I agree. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting because Izzy's given so much space in the finale to season two, but she really doesn't take up a lot of space. I mean, literally in this episode, but then sort of conceptually in the episode as well. It's like, she just, people go and come from her but there are all of these other micro dramas mm-hmm. that really take our attention away from right. from this grief um but it's like the grief is the thread tying all of these other stories together yeah i thought it was just i i remembered um as soon as uh, our primary patient couple arrived I remembered that this was the plague episode and I, I just, I had, I remember really loving this episode one because it deals with a terrible infectious disease, which mm-hmm. <laughs> thrill me. Gross. Um, uh, but I just, I just remember, I was like, Oh, this is a good season premiere. Like this is a good episode. And yeah. I, I kept feeling that throughout the rest of it. I thought it was great. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it is a good premiere. And I, because I think that there's like, it's sort of like a juxtaposition between like the calm grief that Izzy's experiencing and like what's going on in the house of sort of everybody cycling through. And even like Callie's presence sitting, like making food for everybody and Finn coming through, like even the house is like a quiet sadness and the hospital is like not exploding, but like the, like the plague is spreading and there's quarantine and things like that. And it's like, (sighs) it's sort of like a more active recovery versus like a a calm recovery from the, yeah. the like the trauma of of the season two finale yeah yeah i mean we see that even with the grief of the husband omar yeah. when yeah. he finds out that his wife has died of the plague and other injuries <laughs> um you know it's it is explosive right he's hyperventilating and he's screaming and he's you know he's beating yeah. his fists on the door and mm-hmm. it is it's it's just a really interesting meditation on grief. The whole episode. The whole episode. Loved it. Agree. Loved grief as a character. Very yeah. into it. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Grief as a character. Yeah. Loved it. Well, let's talk so, about what's what the hell is going on at the hospital, should we? Yeah. 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 Let's absolutely. Dive in. It's it's hard to know where to start. Where do you I know. Um well, so who's all actually at the um who's at the hospital? So many of our interns are are at the house, right? Izzy's obviously the house. George's at the house. Meredith and Christina are at the house. Um, Callie's at the house and at the hospital. But then George turns up at the hospital. So I'm trying to remember exactly. George decides to go to work. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. (laughs) He's the only one. He's like, actually, I, I still have a job. He's like, I value my job. We all (laughs) fucked up very recently. I'm trying to keep this job. George is the only one. (laughs) Should have gone to San Diego. Yeah. So basically, it's just the attendings yeah. at the hospital and Bailey. Yeah, yeah. Also, I feel like obviously Denny factors in again a little bit later because is this the season with the ghost? I know. Nope, no, no, it's, it's not, not yet. Season. I know. I know. Uh, I'm so we all can't wait, but I'm pretty sure that's season four. Damn it! I'm pretty. Sure. Um. Yeah. How did you guys feel about this like final goodbye to Denny? I feel like. Mm. Like, Did I think he was worth sitting Shiva for? No. Is that what you're asking? Or... I guess I just, I, like, 
the tables obviously turned like so much focus was put on Denny in the last little bit of season two. And then just sort of like once you, you saw his real dead face, it was just sort of like, Phew. yeah. Done. And so this goodbye, this goodbye to Denny felt very just like quiet and small. Like yeah. no one really cared. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, even Derek later is trying to sort of, George is trying to explain why Denny's death was significant. You know, like Derek is like, yeah, sometimes when we lose patience, it's really hard. And George is like, no. And I'm like, also, you knew everyone in this hospital knew. I know. Everyone knew. Derek is pretty self-centered, though. I know, but I kind of love it because that's sort of how I feel about Denny. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. dude, like he was a fucking patient, like not to undermine the value of a human life or whatever, but like, I'm kind of like, I think that that's how I would have experienced the situation. That's the pull quote. That's the pull quote. Not to undervalue a human life or whatever. But I'm going to do it. (laughs) Some are worth more than others. Anyway. So um, this is also the first episode that really deals with um, flashbacks. Mm. And so, I don't know, that could maybe be a good starting point is sort of like moving through the flashbacks that we're introduced to in this episode. Yeah. So like we, we get sort of the um, the throwback to Denny and I guess a resolution to Denny's death, which we really see through Bailey and mm-hmm. Izzy. Um, because Bailey feels... I think partially responsible for what happened with yeah. Denny. It so here here's the thing that I think is that Izzy is obviously very obviously grieving Denny, but the thing that the flashbacks told me is that she's grieving her career as a surgeon. Yeah. Like you know, in the in the la- in the season finale she said, "I thought I was a surgeon, but it turns out I'm not." And in the very first flashback it opens on Izzy and her being like, I'm I'm gonna be a surgical intern and Alex saying, You're not gonna last a year. Yeah. That's really powerful. I think that's re- I think that's really accurate because I think that it's very easy to lump this as a grieving episode about Denny. But I think you're spot on that like that's you know like her surgical career is gonna move on without her in a very alive way. Right. All of her roommates, all of her friends are surgeons and will continue to be. And she just quit her job and admitted that that's not part of her identity anymore. Mm. And I think that that's really true. And it's hard then to have a bunch of surgeons who are still surgeons sit around and say, like, you're going to make it through this. Right. Like, I think Mm -hmm. I think that's just a really astute observation um, that I hadn't I hadn't thought about. Um, And I think that it like makes me look at that flashback scene of like the intern attending mixer, which is like so horrible like i mean it's like you kind of love it because it's meant to be horrible but it's like really awful to watch um but it kind of puts a different tenor on that for me at least to think about like her earnest i guess i'm looking at her earnestness as earnestness and not annoy like feeling annoyed by her um yeah in in a really different way so I, i just really appreciate it yeah i think that the the um flashbacks are like a really interesting a narrative device that the show starts to use and I really like them I'm like deeply into flashbacks I think they're awesome um, but these are really sad uniformly they're pretty traumatic um, <laughs> so we have the intern dinner and that's what Izzy kind of flashbacks flashes back to and so do several of the other characters and we learn 
pretty much that everyone was the same then as they are however many years into the program. Mm -hmm. Like, Alex was a dick. Oh, yeah. Burke was the worst. Yep. George was pathetic. Also, speaking of which, what is the passage of time here? I feel like the season two, they're still in their first year of internship. I feel like they're still in their first year of I feel like this is like four months ago, to be totally correct. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I don't feel like it's been very long. Yeah. I think think they're they're still, they're like coming to the end of their first year or something. I don't know. The first first couple of years are like very confusing. Yeah. The passage of time is very strange. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really true. So we kind of we kind of learn a lot in these flashbacks. Um, the episode sort of uh, sets up the season's main themes, like what storylines are we going to be chasing down this season? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you get Meredith flashing back to her on a carousel, seeing yeah. uh, the chief break up with her mom. Like she can see them <sighs> screaming with each other, and she doesn't recognize uh, the chief. She doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so then we see her at the intern dinner, kind of scoping out the chief. Yeah, so here's the, the confusing piece, because I noticed that. So the yeah. flashback she has to the carousel happens when she's in the kitchen with Christina. Yes. Yeah. But the intern dinner, that's like way before. And so I don't think, I don't know if she recognized that carousel memory mm. as something like I like I feel like in later seasons they they're sort of like this thing where like the carousel thing is a repressed memory for Meredith. Mm-hmm. I think that and that's so, like, true. I don't know but, what caused her to have that carousel memory. Yeah, it does it there's no real like lead in like there right. is with the other characters or any like sort of reckoning even later in the episode. Like what we see with Addison or what we see with Yeah, it's kind Izzy of just a flashback or, yeah. for a flashback scene. Yeah, yeah. It is the one that's kind of left. That's true. I yeah. feel bamboozled now. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, Shonda. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um so we also get we also get a flashback speaking of Meredith to Derek and the first time he sees Meredith which oh. is at the bar sexist team is sexist yeah. it's at the oh, bar after so the intern dinner and Derek is very into her and is very much like he is I'm new to Seattle the I'll eyes. start a new job tomorrow you know yep. of course so does Meredith and those stupid eyes, man. I'm telling you, I want to like stand. drink that scene in a cup oh on a cold winter day. By the end of this episode, I would do anything for Derek Shepard. Like, really? I was just like, I was just like, yes, sold. I did not have the same feeling. <laughs> really? Okay. I'm so uh, weak. I'm so I was weak. So, no, thank you. So wooed by him. Well, it, because I think that. Um, who I can't remember which of the two of you said that he um like during the awful scene and we should talk about the flashback of Derek and Addison and their breakup but oh. um but that's like some one of you said Brutal. that like he's you know he we see his sort of fallen face and his like anger toward Addison and his frustration toward her um and then we see him like make up for all of it by the way that he is enchanted with Meredith Grey from the first moment all the way through to the end of the episode when he sort of proclaims, like, finally is able to tell her that he loves her, right? And like, yeah, and, and I just yeah. think that, like, the, he is such a wonderful actor of this role, in my opinion. 
Um, and they, you know, they do everything to sort of tee it up perfectly with the music and the tone and things like that. But um, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Like, I am just totally taken with him here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He did a number on my heart mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> but you so since you mentioned it, let's talk about the Addison flashback. So yeah. Addison flashes back and thinks mm-hmm. back to the night when Derek found out about her affair with Mark. Yeah. But she she definitely sold it to him in the flashback as like a one time a one time thing, and she repeats, you know, he was just here. Just <laughs> it's it's so he was painful. just here, and I fell onto his dick. Yeah, it's like yeah, but you know what I mean. She's like, I get it, I get it. On the one hand, what a callous, horrible thing to say, but on the other hand, there's a totally implied second part of that statement which is and you never are mm-hmm. yeah right and and so it ties back to Derek's apology last season saying I was absent yeah and and I just so it's heartbreaking because I can't even imagine being Derek and hearing that and having to grapple with like wow oh my god he was just here really yeah. that's your only excuse but I can't imagine Addison too trying to communicate like I just I wanted someone to want me. I right. he was yeah. here and you never are here. Right. Oh my god. Oh man, it was what do so you, intense. What do you think went through Derek's head? So initially he he's grabbing up all of Addison's clothing oh, and yeah. puts her out in the rain. She's like wearing an oversized t shirt. Yeah. And he shuts the door she on her and then anyway. <laughs> yes, Kate Walsh. Um oh, yeah. but then he sort of like has a moment where he thinks about it. And then lets her back into the house and says that he's going to leave. Right. Yeah. Which sort of made me think, like, which, like, we already knew. Their marriage was dead long yeah. before. And so he was just like, I, I sort of had this realization that Derek maybe thought, this is my out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Time, for me to, time for me to go. I totally agree. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. I was, I, I was like, is that what's going through his head right now? It's like this is this is what we needed. Like yeah. we needed a breaking point. Something right. either had to change or something had to reach a breaking point. And finally, here it is. Which I will say, I hate people who are the kind of people who force other people to yes. break up with them. Oh my yes. god, all men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you're 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 just like continue to be so terrible and yeah. you won't make the break yeah you just force coward- someone else so to be cowardly it is so cowardly. cowardly you know yeah. and i yeah. think that it's actually a nice foil to um like I-, I think that they're constantly trying to convince us of relationships in this show often to great effect but what i'm struck by is how like i think that's exactly what's going on with derek and meredith that he's being the dick that's like forces addison to essentially sleep with his best friend and you know in some way shape or form here but i think it's a good foil to how immediately we see he clicks with meredith right like their chemistry is so palpable their communication is seamless and flawless and clear and and it's just like you just never like derek this derek and addison like never stood a chance on this show because of the obvious success of him and meredith you know and i think that it's like they're they're like pushing us to to 
to think about him as the bad guy and her as this person who would cheat on him. Um, but I do think that much of it is in service of his relationship with Meredith um, to really I convince think that's us really that true. like, despite everything else, they are sort of like meant to be or whatever, whatever, oh, yeah. you know? That yeah. They're, they're like definitely, a- they're definitely like OTP for the show. I think that, I think though that the show to its credit does kind of a good job of complicating that. Yeah. When we start moving towards the spinoff, mm. um, right, for private practice. Mm. And so where Addison, they, they sort of develop what begins in this episode with Addison saying, we're, we're Derek and Addison, or we're Addison and Derek Shepard. Like, you know, we've got this. We have to survive this. And they do eventually expand on what it meant when they were Derek and Addison Mm. by bringing in characters who knew them as a couple back in the day. And it does, it does complicate things. I don't think that the show ever really deviates from the fact that Derek and Meredith are meant to be, but it does get more complicated. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Agree. So are those all of the, are those all of the flashbacks? Um, The important ones. (laughs) (laughs) Are those, let me rephrase that. Are those all the flashbacks we want to talk about? I think so. (laughs) Is it time to talk about the plague? Let's talk about the plague. Yeah. I'm so excited. (laughs) So one thing that confused me about this. Yes. Is. Just one thing? Well, (laughs) the first thing that confused me about this is that. All of the, you know, the hospital is overrun with flu patients, right? It's flu season. Mm. People are coming in with the flu, you know, and it's like they're kind of at their wits end with it. And then Giselle and Omar come in and they're exhibiting all the same symptoms. And Bailey goes up to the chief to explain her concern about Giselle and Omar. And he immediately knows it's the plague. It's the plague. I think it's because she says boobos. (laughs) <laughs> Which what is boobos? Oh, did that? does anyone did anyone look up what boobos? No, is? but I assume it has. I didn't hear to do her say that. Bubonic. Right. Also, uh, I would like to say I feel like watching all these people in the ER. I don't know what the flu looks like because <laughs> yeah, people yeah. legitimately people were hacking flu? up blood, okay. and I was just like, "Do they have TB? Is this Moulin Rouge? Yeah, like, I what is happening?" Your notes on this. <laughs> I loved reading Patrice's notes, and she was like, "What is the flu, though? Does anyone know?" <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> when we say the flu, what do we mean? <laughs> I really just don't know. <laughs> No, but you are spot on because, in my opinion, the flu is when you have a fever and a bad cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a bad cold yeah. with a fever. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. and, like, that can be really dangerous. I'm not trying to undermine, like, get your flu shots. Yeah, vaccinate no. yourselves. Vaccinate <laughs> right. Yourselves yes. We, we are not anti-vaxxers. You are watching Grey's Anatomy for Christ's sake vaccinate your children jesus and and yourself <laughs> although i haven't oh my gotten god. my flu shot yet i need to get on that. Me either <sighs> oh my god you guys get your flu shots what is you, the matter no, with you, you? Know, here you know let me tell you let me tell you and the world you hear this south africa listener so mm. flu shots have come to my office to my campus twice three times this semester and i am literally so busy meeting with students every hour of the day that I'm not teaching that I didn't have time to go and get my flu shot during any of the opportunities I had to go and get my flu shot. That's not a me problem. That's an employment problem. (laughs) I'm just lazy. (laughs) 
<laughs> I looked up I looked up Bubos and it is a swollen inflamed lymph node in the armpit or groin. Mm, okay. So so that so that could have been uh Sorry. Bubos. It's a lot of funny words all at once. Yeah, Bubos are a symptom of bubonic plague. Interesting. And occur as painful swellings in the thighs, neck, groin, or armpits. Huh. So that one clue is enough for the chief to be like, they have the plague. Yes, Quarantine. Seriously. Also, they just like so casually are like, oh, they came in contact with a plague like victim. And I was like, what? Everyone's very calm about it. I know. I, yeah. This is like one of the few times that I've ever sympathized with George. I am George. I would have been like, oh my god, I'm, do I have a fever? Feel me. Touch me. Am I dying? Yeah. yeah. I think I have a node. Feel this. On is my, the plague... Wait, <laughs> what's the difference between the plague and, uh, like, Ebola or something? You know what, Patrice? I believe we're getting into my medical okay, sorry. the week. Yeah, we're, so, we will... We, we'll get it's, there it's, later. It's <laughs> what you need to know now is that two patients come in with the plague. <laughs> okay, great, 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 great. But here's the thing. I mean, I I take like pretty great issue with how Giselle and Omar are treated in this situation. <laughs> you really did. Very strange. Because, because what'd you say? I just said it's very strange. Well, Megan's oh, feelings yeah, about I mean, it or the treatment? No, the treatment. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. It's very strange how you feel about this. <laughs> That's fine. Um, like they come in to go to the hospital or they're they're going somewhere and they're both really sick and they get in a car accident like Giselle has a as a traumatic brain injury right she has hit her head her brain is like exposed right her skull is fractured and then they put Derek in a locker room with George and seal it and Giselle has a brain injury and he is the head of neuro and I just really don't understand like I understand that the plague is a threat and you have to quarantine people sure I really struggle to understand how she went from be- being in a car accident, potentially exposed to the plague, to dead. With sure. zero updates, <laughs> zero attending physicians that we know and are reputable, and no real explanation. And the solution to that, once she's dead, is to tell Omar when he's in quarantine and exhibiting very obvious symptoms of panic and anxiety. Right. Yeah. And, and I just plague. really failed to understand. And plague. <laughs> And like, right, <laughs> and I just really don't feel like they are getting the medical attention that they deserve at this institution. I mean, uh, here's the true. honest answer: is that Giselle was a prop and not a character. <laughs> yes, right. Giselle was the for doc, sure. the dog of this episode. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> That's for sure what was happening here. Um, it is pretty harrowing. <laughs> I mean, it's and awful. I feel like, I it's feel awful. like uh, Seattle Grace is facing a lot of lawsuits right now. Like, there's just a lot of lawsuits coming their way. I yeah. also think this is a little bit tangential, um, but I love that Grey's Anatomy came out with season three and they were just like, fuck yeah, the plague. <laughs> <laughs> we're here, bitches. <laughs> I love that. I love that energy already. There's such a is that the energy, energy you're going, going into 2020 into with? with? I am bringing plague oh. energy into 2020. <laughs> <laughs> let's play, go, rats. Let's play, go. Play, <laughs> plague energy. <laughs> Big plague energy. B-E-E. Big plague energy. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, tough time for Omar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, 
knocks on the door and it's like, hey, by the way, <laughs> how are you feeling? How are your boobos? <laughs> your wife's dead. <laughs> your wife is dead. The boobos got And her. then he's panicky and like, I'm like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen, right. Bailey? And she's like, hand on the door. And like, I mean, yeah, like, and then the I quarantine guy's like, we're going on and it's like, <laughs> he has a mask on. <laughs> I guess I could avoid the clip. <laughs> practical effects. I'm all about the practical effects. Um, but, uh, yeah, he also, like, I thought that his grief was real and earned and terrifying and reminds me of how sort of I respond to grief. Mm. But I also, there was a moment where I was like, Ooh, this hyperventilation is not believable. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. there was a moment where I was like, mm, this seems pretty wild. But then I was like, I guess I've never hyperventilated, so maybe this is... And he's got the plague. Like, his blood pressure is way up. Yeah, that's, that's what true. I was thinking about. That's true. I think I, right. I think I kind of watched that scene, and I was like, how much of this is the plague, and how much of it is a panic mm. attack, mm. and how much of it is overacting? I just couldn't yeah. quite find the balance. I've hyperventilated before. Did you that seems respond pretty... like Omar? I, I... Like, pretty... Yeah, like it, there was panting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, that's like hyperventilating. Yeah, <laughs> do the sound effects for us. <laughs> Please relive this trauma for us, Patrice. <laughs> I just wanted that sound effect forever. Um, Actually, usually when I hyperventilate, it's uh, <laughs> usually <laughs> usually uh, it's more like a. <gasps> Yeah, and not a. That's what he was doing. I mean, yeah. his was the big yeah. like choking gas. Yeah, yeah. That's how it. That's how it is. So that's is, so. Is that like your panic response? Is hyperventilating? <clears throat> uh, d- that depends. Okay. Are we having a therapy session? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's just so interesting. I don't. I don't have a hyperventilating response, so I'm just fascinated. Anything else with our with the plague here? I mean, like it really. We have. We do have George and. Derek, the funniest in odd couple yeah. in and quarantine. They just really I, threw I, that plague oh in there for no reason. Yeah, I. It's it's so funny. It's they're just trapped in this fucking locker room, raiding various lockers for food. Um, and and Derek does not give a fuck. Yeah, and Derek's like on as you pointed out, he's on his. What device is he using? Oh, he's a sidekick. I have one of those. He's on his fucking sidekick. And Megan was like, we're all inching closer to death. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I gotta say, like, this just feels like a Shonda mandated timeout yeah. for these two characters yeah. because of their bad behavior. And she was like, you know what? You're going to timeout. You're going quarantine. Like yeah. you're just you're just gonna live in this locker room and eat snacks you're together gonna... for this entire episode. And it's gonna give people who are watching an opportunity to go to the bathroom because you're both awful. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You're in character quarantine. I did appreciate I was like uh, you know, as I was watching, I was like, can you be can you imagine being stuck in a quarantine with either of these jackasses? And then I was just like, you know what? It's it's a blessing. It's a blessing that they were trapped together. Honestly, mm-hmm. that no one else had to be involved in that is, mm-hmm. is great. Did all the other people who were in the operating room with them, did they go into quarantine? Or are they dead? Nobody you know? cares about their stories. What happened to Olivia? Does she have boobos now? <laughs> Olivia walked into the scene and that bitch looked shell-shocked. I was like, what? Move with some quickness, Olivia. What are you doing? She was just like standing there staring at Karev as Karev was dealing with the trash can baby. And I was like, 
Olivia, shouldn't you be doing something productive right now? Is this why you get fucking fired? Like, (laughs) spoilers. Is it time to talk about the sisterhood of the trash can baby? (laughs) Yeah, I think we should. Yeah. Um, The baby, surprisingly, does not have the plague. (laughs) Not a plague baby. Why would it's it have the plague? plague. Trash it's a baby. trash baby. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have the flu or the plague. No. But it does have trash. Yes. On it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, I feel like they probably cleaned it off, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was kind of probably Olivia's job, and she didn't seem to be fucking doing it. So hard to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alex and Addison are pretty upset about this yes. baby being left in the trash. Which, Fair. wouldn't you be upset if there was a baby left in the trash, Teresa? No? <laughs> okay, we know no. where Teresa's at. No, she doesn't no. give a fuck about babies. No, 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 no. Throw but, them all in the trash. No, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like Giselle being the Doc the Dog. Right, this, right, I right, felt right. like this trash yeah. can baby was also a Doc the Dog because... Addison, while totally within her rights to be really upset about a newborn being put in the trash, it she's definitely reacting like partly out of the fact that that's objectively terrible. But I feel like there's an even larger part of her that's reacting and being like, "Ugh, I'm the trash can baby of my own life." <laughs> Derek threw me in the trash. <laughs> So I'm like, I have a hard, a little bit of a hard time with it. You know? <laughs> that's so, so that's true. My only critique. Yeah, yeah. She is the trash She's can the baby, trash of, her can baby of her own life, and that's rough. Oh, um, that's sad. That's sadder I, than the real yeah. trash can baby. <laughs> Like, those girls are 14. Like, there's a giant hole where their frontal lobe belongs. Like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. It was, uh, it's a weird and very uncomfortable storyline. I agree. Yeah. I can't remember if it was you, Megan, or Patrice, who pointed out just sort of the ways in which they're talking to these girls. Like, just, and, and like, talking about their bodies and for their bodies is really tough. And I know that we're supposed to look at the parents as as the villains and sort of the root of the problem why you know one of these girls is pregnant at 14 but it was still oh, and it's it the parents really fault because jarring. they're bad at parenting yeah but, oh it's really jarring it's like oh my god yeah i hated the whole thing yeah oh, it's awkward. It's yeah awkward. and they kept just trying to guilt the girls yeah. into admitting the truth which is like I just not like the way to the get kids to tell them where the was truth. raj <laughs> yeah, there's like that's that's the thing that really struck me about this is that the people that they have are a first year surgical intern and the head of OB. Yeah. Right. And I and I really don't understand these are children, right? These are yeah. 14-year-old girls, right? Like where is any sort of mental health professional? Where is any sort of pediatric professional? Where is anyone who's in any way qualified to like have the super challenging conversation with these girls. And why is this conversation mainly happening in the waiting room with a yes. thousand people? Yes. Around, yes. A million people with the plane no sort of around. Privacy. <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop myself from laughing there because I literally just read <laughs> Teresa's note that said, okay, white TI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously. You guys yes. both called that shit. Well, because this dad comes in in the very beginning, like when they they first confront these girls because they were the last ones in the bathroom 
where the trash can baby was located. And um, so they call these girls into the hospital and they're sort of interrogating them to see like who birthed a baby and then dropped it in the trash. And uh, the one of the fathers is just like, I consent because they're like, oh, you know, we could do a vaginal examination and like, you know, whatever, whatever. DNA testing takes days and like we need answers right now. And um, the dad's one of these dads is just like, you can do whatever you want. I consent to anything, whatever it takes to prove that my daughter mm. didn't have this baby. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. OK. Yeah. yeah. And the parents have a really difficult time accepting that even though these these girls are minors, they still have um, rights to their rights bodies, to their own bodies, which is what a concept tough to watch, <laughs> uh, particularly given sort of the unfortunate national conversation about T.I.'s daughter's virginity. Anyway, not even her virginity or fucking hymen. Like he yes. goes to get her. I'm sorry. Yes, he. Yes, that's right. He conflates her. Yes. The, her intact hymen with virginity. Yeah. Uh, By the time that this is published, it'll be such old news. But just like Ti is a trash. You know, but we can person. we can shame Ti for it forever, though. I think. Yeah. yeah no, yeah, he's a trash yeah, person. Someone yeah. throw him in the trash. Yeah. Yeah. Can. He's, yeah. He's, he's a, a trash, trash can, can baby. baby. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, I th- yeah. I don't really have more to say about the trash can baby. No, the I only either. the only thing that I have to say is that like the the storylines that happen in multiple TV shows about how people hide pregnancies for months. I'm just like, how? Yeah. How? Yeah. How? Yeah. And yeah. then how did you just like? pop out a baby in the bathroom at your school and like no one heard it. That's what's right. I have been to a labor. Surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. Especially your first. Right. Well, I think that the, the age, I mean, like I, I think that very young people don't show like their, their children typically are not as bigger, but, or as big, but they, um, they often don't show it. And I'm not trying to like justify it. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but, um, I do think that what? that's true of the the very young mothers that I know um, don't don't show like they don't look you know they look like a thirty year old being six months pregnant right uh-huh. um, my mom held, like hid her pregnancy when she was eighteen until she was eight months pregnant and moved out and nobody knew right she didn't tell anybody and nobody knew and she that's wore big clothes and crazy. you know that's yeah nuts. eight months old or eight months pregnant yeah challenge yeah. accepted. <laughs> <laughs> what right? challenge are you I now know. going to get pregnant yes. and try to hide it yes okay cool <laughs> i'll be on the lookout <laughs> i already have a doula right next to me oh god that's Perfect. right yeah yeah so do we want to talk about um sort of the rest of the the shiva i i mean where do we want to go from here this episode is kind of weirdly organized yeah do we talk about the podcast episode and this episode of Grey's anatomy do we talk about the panties oh yeah so we haven't talked about the panties we haven't talked about finn and meredith's like the recognition that she has to make a choice between finn and Derek. um and i think that those are kind of those are the two things still on my mind i'm obviously open to other things if you guys have things we haven't talked about that we want to yeah um yeah let's talk about the panties it's one of the scenes that we see in the opening of the episode is addison finding this was the thing that was missing for me in the finale i was like how did the panties end up on the bulletin board how 
Like, what is going on? But that's right. Uh, Addison finds the panties in Derek's suit jacket. Yeah. His jacket. Mm -hmm. And then she washes them and folds them delicately. Yep. And then, and then puts she them in a Ziploc bag, which is yeah. my favorite part I of the know. whole thing. <laughs> she's so precise in it. The pettiness of like going through all of the work to, you know, launder these panties, fold them, put them in a plastic bag, and then pin them to the board <laughs> in the like lounge is right. incredible. She's just like, I know you're fucking my husband, and now everybody's gonna know. It's great because i'm gonna make you come and get your panties it off is. this goddamn oh, yeah. bulletin board great <laughs> um and it leads you know that kind of leads into where uh meredith Derek, and mcvet are at, yeah. at the end of all of this so meredith is feeling conflicted in the beginning while she's making her nasty white people sandwiches. Oh my um, god, they're so awful. Yeah. Just like ham and mayonnaise. Like, yeah, what are you doing really to that sandwich? Yang <laughs> was looking at her like, when Yang was like, I think we should order in. Thank god fucking Callie comes over and is like, okay. Also, I have many things to say about the fact that the one woman of yes. color comes over to oh, cook. absolutely. To just cook Seriously, for all these white bitches. Though. I had the exact same thing. Right. I was like, oh, it took the Latina to come over and take care of you and your grief? Uh, I hate bleh. you all. Um, yeah, yeah, so she lost her panties, and, you know, she's feeling conflicted. Christina's trying to talk to her, but not really saying anything, except for, like, you and Derek did the nasty nasty, and Mick Guilty. (laughs) She refers to him as Mick Guilty, which is That's a great scene for Christina. She's got some, like, really great Good one-liners. Yeah. I mean, Sandra Oh is just a multi-talented woman. What a gift to all of us. So great. Okay. So So Finn comes through. Yeah, here's what I have to say about Meredith's conflict is that it shouldn't be, (laughs) period. I'm like, Finn is just, like, so rational. He's like, I realize that something happened between you and Derek. I can see that. I'm. He literally says, "I'm angry about it." He mm-hmm. names his feelings, yeah. and mm-hmm. but doesn't lash out nope. like Derek mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. And he's just like emotionally available and uh, gen generally amazing at uh, being emotionally mature. And I'm like, "What is the choice here? What's yeah. the truth, Meredith? Yeah. What is well, the truth?" You're, I mean, you're so right. And they go above and beyond in this episode to make him the perfect choice, right? Like they just, he, I mean, even the fact that he, knowing that Meredith is going through a traumatic situation with her chosen family, he goes over to her house, knocks on the door, speaks with her roommates, waits for her to be prepared, like has an adult, clear conversation to her face with her about his feelings. Unlike Derek. Uh, to your point. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, and it's just amazing. Like, it's amazing the to watch. I feel incredible. like straight women everywhere are just like, oh, my God. Like, you just, like, told me about your feelings to yeah. my face. And, uh, like, a completely, like, to me, the, the number one adjective that comes to mind is that he's just, he's just reasonable. And it's, it's just like a, like a balm like it just feels so good (laughs) yeah yeah and when he repeats you know when he just repeats like we never said we were exclusive yeah you know and then and then so rational very clearly states his intentions like hey if there's a chance for me to still be in this like i want to be yeah i'm i am into you i want to be in this if that's an option 
And then yep. just kind of just kind of leaves that up to her. Yeah. It honestly kind of makes me mad that the writers still wrote Mer- Meredith, <laughs> Meredith and Derek as OTP. It's just yeah. like so many times where they're showing, yeah, straight women like, oh, you should probably go with this <laughs> terrible choice. This like outlandish person who doesn't know how to convey their emotions except when put under stress and then also will turn on you like a dime. Like, yeah. I, I also think, I mean, he makes, oh God, he has this really great line where he says, you think that you're so broken and damaged, mm. but you mm-hmm. deserve, you deserve good things. Yeah. And, and I'll quote the audio here, but it's just really genuine and it's not, it doesn't come off as like manipulative or shaming. Just like, I know, just like stating a fact, I know that you have this idea of yourself and I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be like that. Your bar can be higher. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of, and then just stating like, I think I'm a good guy and I don't think this other guy is. And that's for you to just decide. Again, mm-hmm. it, you have the agency in this decision. But like, I, I don't know. I really appreciated it. It actually, um, I had some problems with Finn's characterization in season two. Mm-hmm. And I felt yeah. like this was a really nice showing for Finn. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I, I came around on this character again, aside from just, you know, being like, oh, Chris O'Donnell, you're so hot. I was like, okay, that's right. You you come around as a pretty rational, reasonable dude. Yes. Um, yeah. I think they should bring McVet back. Oh, yes. I mean, presumably he's <laughs> still in Seattle as a vet. I don't think Chris O'Donnell's doing anything right now. Like, I don't mean that in <laughs> he a probably way. I just haven't found seen him someone... in a while. Who appreciates him? Yeah, but maybe they died too. There's a lot of death. In Again, Seattle. he already had one dead. I, ooh, you know, I'm just saying, bring back McVet. I think it's a really good <laughs> idea. Petition to Shonda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that like it's clear. I mean, that scene with Finn is so wonderful. Like, it's so wonderful to see and hear and just see a man act reasonably and rationally in that moment. But it's clear, t- at least to me, it's so clearly placed moments before Derek, Ugh. right? Like moments yeah. before he comes in on his stupid white horse and oh is like, he's got this amazing little monologue <gasps> no, of like, I'm no, in love Patrice. with you. It's I've gorgeous. been in love with you forever. Like, I, I know I'm late to tell you that. I just want you to take your time. Like, I, I, I'm going to love you forever. And it's just like, it just so speaks, I think, to like, his grin. I, I don't know. Me. So many Kill experiences of what it's like to, to like love somebody that you don't want to love. Yeah. You know, like I think that like you just see you can just see the rest of this storyline unfolding. Right. It's like the moment that that Izzy really forms a connection with Denny. You're like, I know how this will end and it will not be good. And you see when Derek makes that little speech, you're like, oh, I see that she will not ever choose Finn. 11 out of 10 times she's gonna choose Derek like and I think that like even she would choose dead Derek right like (laughs) I just think that they go so far to like to to make to make Derek and Meredith's case that you just like he just doesn't even stand a chance and it's so sad to watch for Finn you know it's oh man it's yeah yeah it's it's tough but it's I mean he won me over too I was just like oh that's right you guys are my forever he didn't win me over (laughs) Jeez. Fuck Derek. You're a tough nut to crack. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I was like, this is beautiful. No. <laughs> we have a long way to go. A long way to go I with know. that pairing, though. 
Should we uh, should we maybe get into our M M&M and M for the week, or are yeah, there any other storylines we want to sort of wrap up with? No, I don't no, think there is anything important. Teardrop ranking some real divergence here in the room. Yeah. So. I gave it two teardrops. <laughs> so. Patrice, how many teardrops did you give it? One to two. One to two. I, gave, to it, two? I yeah. gave it one to two teardrops as well. You're a fucking liar. You didn't. She gave it five fucking teardrops, <laughs> listeners. Five teardrops. I gave it which, five teardrops. Just for the record. She was what sad she and last sober. Week. Yeah. When Denny died, and yeah. she grew a heart yeah. because of Denny's death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was really sad. I, I, ah, grieving people. Oh, it's just so sad. It's so sad, and uh, the like love sort of triangle between Addison, Derek, and Meredith was incredibly sad to me. Like Meredith. Is sad. I just everybody's so fucking sad. I was like, I'm sad too. Five out of five. <laughs> uh, what about the on call room? Literally, take off your pants. Nothing sexy about the plague. Really. I said that the on call room was the look that Derek gives Meredith from across the bar. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. said the promise of future yeah. sex, and then I said past sex <laughs> with the bar scene for Meredith. Yeah. Uh, also, I just said genuinely turned on by Fen's emotional maturity and availability. <laughs> nothing yeah. gets me hotter. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there was nothing for me. <laughs> I mean, the bar scene, I was just kind of like, wow, I would never have responded to Derek. Song of the week. I, I just want to point out that Megan and I had the exact answer for this, and it wasn't the full song. That's what makes it remarkable. It was just... Specifically, the piano part of the song that plays in the background when Derek is telling Meredith he loves her. Not any other part of the song. We were both specific that the rest of the song is just fine. But that piano part, great. Rip my heart out. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like six keys on the piano. And you will play it here. Yes. When I and and we use them she, like they they come into play right. It's not unlike chasing cars in this yeah. series, right? Like yeah. it, it's it's a it's a known thing. But what's amazing to me is that it is so short. Yes, it's and it's really so beautiful, <laughs> and it makes me feel emotional just thinking about it. <laughs> Megan and I were just like, yes, that's what we want. <laughs> uh, Patrice, that's you weren't moved by any music in this. I wasn't yeah. moved at all. No, this episode. Patrice may be dead in. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you got me. Uh, you found out. Our death tally is pretty simple. I'm pretty sure it's just Giselle. We don't really get any yeah. conclusion for Omar because he's black and has the plague. So I guess we don't care. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, so we what? don't care about him. <laughs> I would like to know if Omar made it. No idea. But we'll Giselle doesn't. Know. And so we she's will by never default. know. She's by default the saddest death. And it is sad because Omar's reaction is really... Devastating. Yeah, that's really sad, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, 007, what'd you guys up? I didn't have anybody. I Yeah, n- neither did I. I said Giselle's doctors. Yeah. So, so George, George and Derek? <laughs> that's reasonable, yeah. 
Um, yeah, that seems fair. Um, Karev of the week. Thoughts, feelings? I said Karev is the Karev of the week <laughs> yeah. because in the flashbacks, he's Karev. a pretty big asshole. Yeah, he's terrible. And I feel like that's where he got his namesake. Is like his OG Karevness, you know? He he calls Izzy babe the first time he's yeah, ever met Yeah, gross. Her. Wow, it's bad. Ooh. He also says yep. gyny. Ooh. It's awful. It's really it's terrible. Awful. Marv. It's really terrible. Um, Chief resident. Ooh, actually, wait. Karev mm. of the week, I think, is just Burke in that flashback. Oh, fuck. He was yeah. such a dick. Burke and Alex fighting it out for Karev of the yeah. week. Shit. For real. They were just awful. Um, a merciful lack of Burke this episode, which was just, yeah. that was yeah. really, really, there were a lot of things this episode had going for it, you know, like Derek and George being quarantined in scenes so you could just do something else during yeah. their parts. Burke didn't show up till the very end. And then it was really just a showcase for Sandra O. Yeah. Uh, uh, line of the week. No, I'm sorry. Chief resident. I said Bailey. Like, I feel like yeah. she did a pretty good job. Yeah. I mean, except for the moment when she told Omar that his wife had died <laughs> when he was in quarantine and was already panicky. <laughs> but all things considered, I feel like there actually wasn't a whole lot of, like, active... Doctoring. Doctoring, yeah. Doctoring. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So yeah. I that said, was... She was my gut. Oh, Go ahead, please. I said Bailey or maybe Karev because he actually thought about the fact that he had a newborn baby in a flu-filled ER yes, that's and true. took the baby... That's true. Elsewhere to the NICU. And Olivia was not helping him to She's reach like, no, The baby she... needs to be admitted. <laughs> Shut yeah, up, Olivia. She she made res- resident. No She's maybe the double of seven. Yeah. Fuck, man. She seemed really out of it. Not her day. Um, line of the week. I got the directions off the internet. Um, I really liked, well, I have, I mean, I've already spoken about this, so I won't go on about it, but. Derek's monologue to Meredith, I have such a fucking soft, squishy, stupid heart for. I'm in love with you. I've been in love with you forever. I'm a little late. I, I know I'm a little late in telling you that. I, I just... I just want you to take your time. You know? Take all the time you need. Because you have a choice to make. And when I have a choice to make, I choose wrong. But I also really love early on, I don't think we talked about this line, but the line when Meredith's, when they're trying to encourage Meredith to go and to talk to Izzy and she says, Why are you all looking at me? Oh, this is familiar territory for you. There's nothing familiar about this unfamiliar. Danny died. The man she loves died. Yeah, but you're all dark and twisty inside. So all of a sudden, I'm the president of people with crappy lives? And I was like, like, "Mm, yeah, yeah, you kind of are. I'm glad (laughs) you brought this up. I'm glad you brought this up because I actually had a note about this. I was like, I actually really get it. I actually really empathize with Meredith in this moment because like, just because you're sad doesn't mean you're good with grief. Like yeah. I, right. I am generally, I am generally not a glass half full person. I would describe my outlook on life to be somewhat similar to Meredith Gray's, but yeah. I'm terrible with grief. I do not know how to help people move through grief at all. Mm. I don't know myself how to move through grief. I just don't. So like, I it's 
yeah, I get it, Mare. That's unfair. Just because you're sad doesn't mean you're going to be helpful in a grieving situation. Yeah. <laughs> True facts. Um, I also had uh, Derek's monologue to Meredith because, ooh, so good. Patrice, what did you have? Mine was Callie's monologue <laughs> about how surgeons are all just basically high school students this has stayed with me forever yeah i I just like love it insightful things anyone ever says on the show you should just put the whole clip in four years of high school four years of college four years of med school by the time we graduate we're in our late 20s and we've never done anything except go to school and think about science time stops i mean look at me i'm in love with a guy who won't say he loves me back and here i am in his kitchen cooking just hoping he comes home and notices me i'm a total freak I'm that girl in the back of the class who eats her hair. And Meredith, she's 17 years old. We're all 17 years old. This is high school with scalpels, Finn. My favorite part is actually her just saying, I'm that girl who sits in the back of the class and eats her hair. And Meredith, (laughs) she's 17 years old. This is high school with scalpels. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. I felt like it was so apt. Yeah. Like, ah, yes. Every I'm like Kelly. Actually, is that this. girl in yeah. the back of the class who eats her hair? She's just <laughs> a weird true. girl. Still yeah. to this point, very weird. Yeah. Um, I have a medical fact of the week this week. You guys, Woo! do we have time? That's... Do we have time to yes. share? Yes, uh, get yeah. into it. I got really. Excited Tell me about, about the plague. The plague. <laughs> it's back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Guess it who's is back. Back. It's back. 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 Back again. So, but the thing about the plague is that it's never really left us. Um, <laughs> like Jesus. <laughs> so, um, there, so I'm pulling from a couple of articles. Um, right now, actually, there's a plague outbreak in Mongolia that Chinese authorities are trying to keep in check. And so I, I knew about this because I think I have like a Google alert for the plague because <laughs> some kid in Colorado died in 2015 because like a fucking plague-infected raccoon bit him or something in the wilderness. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, and ever since that happened... I want to know what what other things you have fucking Google alerts about. (laughs) Ever since that happened, I was like, the plague, man. We gotta watch out. So, anyway, this is happening in Mongolia right now. Um, Which is actually, like, one of the um, originating regions for the plague. Um, Hmm. And so there's this interesting foreign policy piece that I got... Uh, the information I'm about to share with you on, it was published like two weeks ago. And it's like, it's basic premises. Not so is that we shouldn't be afraid of the plague necessarily because of like the fact that it's so fatal. We should be concerned that it's happening in China and China has sort of a problematic history of covering up pandemics Mm. so like so and it points to like the origins of the bird flu for instance as like um he says uh um the chinese government's public health history they covered up the 2003 sars epidemic even as it traveled to 30 other nations denying the spread they denied the spread of the dangerous h5n1 influenza Mm -hmm. in the country uh for years and stifled social media accounts of outbreaks So a fair amount of caution and skepticism is merited. Um, So that said, just some kind of like interesting information about the plague um, is that there have been three actually like great plague pandemics in human history. Um, And it comes from the plague itself comes from this bacteria 
Y. Pestis. Um, and so the first pandemic was in AD 541 within the Roman Empire, but that one actually might be overstated. I saw that in another article that I read. Huh. Um, lasted two centuries. Two oh my God. hundred what? years. The second is a really famous one, right? That's the Black Death, um, which spread yeah. from Asia into Italy in 1346. And that one persisted for 400 years. What the fuck? And it infected shit? most of the European population. 50 million people died on a continent inhabited by 80 million. Oh my shit. God. Historians refer to it, according to this article, as the Great Mortality. Fuck me up. Uh, that's what I want to read about. Give me a I want to read everything plane. about that. So then the third pandemic, according to this peace and foreign policy, began in the 1850s, so relatively oh, recently yeah. in China, yeah. um, and spread across Asia, um, and India alone lost 20 million people in that plague. Wow. Holy oh shit. God. So you're so, saying that... For climate change, we need a plague. No, 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 no. But actually, the plague is one of those things that we're concerned about with climate change because it's like that that could um, accelerate some of these ancient like pandemics that haven't reoccurred for a long time, right? So anyway, getting us into sort of present day from 2010 to 2015, there were 3,248 plague cases reported worldwide with 584 deaths. So probably Whoa. more than you were expecting. Yeah. Like probably yeah. more plague deaths than when you were expecting. Madagascar For sure. um, had outbreaks in 2017 and 2018. Um, fatality rates are between 300, or excuse me, are between 30 and 100%. And there wow. are three different forms of plague, which I didn't know. Oh my God. There's bubonic, pneumonic, or septicemic. Um, and it, like, which one you have depends on, like, how you got, how you contracted the plague, right? Mm, so sure. the the bubonic form is the milder one, and that comes from fleas who carry Y. pestis. The more dangerous one is inhaled, um, and that's the pneumonic, actually, plague, rather than the bubonic plague. And then the septicemic form is the really bad one. That's almost always fatal. Um, and that's that, unsurprisingly, is when the plague enters your body through the bloodstream. Um, and so, anyway, a couple in Mongolia were infected with the plague. They died at uh, the time of reporting. I think um, that 150 people had been quarantined, but then another two people have died in the weeks since that couple's death. So I think right now four people are dead in Mongolia of the plague, but we don't really, we don't really necessarily have like accurate information about the quarantine process, et cetera, et cetera, because of the Chinese authorities. So anyway, the plague, it's probably not going to get you, but it might. Whoa. Wait, sorry. <laughs> you might've, you might've just said this, but I, I just didn't, I, I didn't hear it, but what, yeah. which one is in Mongolia right now? Do the Mongolian know? plague, um, I believe it is the septicemic one. Oh, well, fuck. Um, the bad because one. plague in China. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, um, oh, no, it's either the bubonic or pneumonic plague. But I okay, know that okay. it happened because they ate a raw infected... Uh, wild rabbit. 
So it looks like, um, so it looks like there have been separate, there have been separate ones. Um, so that was a 55 year old man who ate a wild rabbit in inner Mongolia, but there was a couple as well. Um, and so I'm assuming that they were also either bubonic or pneumonic. So anyway, whoa, black death. Anyway, that's our episode. (laughs) (laughs) What a light note to end on. (laughs) Yeah. Don't eat any wild rabbits in Mongolia. Not raw. Or Colorado. (laughs) I don't think that's what happened there, but okay. (laughs) No, that like rodents in Colorado were carrying the plague. That's how this kid contracted the plague and he died. Another girl contracted it, but did not die. She was seven. What's the cure for the plague? Uh, antibiotics. But the problem is, by the time uh, the like symptoms show, it, like it can already have devastated the tissue, right? So that's another mm. piece of this foreign policy article, is that they say, um, tragically, modern plague epidemics too often go unrecognized, and individuals are left untreated until why pestis has so devastated the human body that antibiotics cannot reverse the damage to the mm. lungs, kidneys, and cardiovascular system. Fuck so me that's up. the catch. You gotta you gotta actually catch the like catch that it's the plague before and the not the flu before the yeah the flu. exactly 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 yeah. So more points to Bailey who was like they've got boobos. <laughs> and the chief, also how did you the know that they had boobos? Who was immediately like like oh the plague. <laughs> boobos. Seen that? I've been around for that. Anyway. He knows. Dope. Cool. <laughs> so uh, on that note, next episode is gonna be season three, episode two. I'm excited. Season three rocks. It's a good season. Season three is really good. Yeah. I legitimately don't remember anything that happens in season three. So very well. I'm feeling good about all the surprises (laughs) headed my way. Yes. Well, thank you so much for listening. Just a quick rundown of where you can find us. Um, We are available. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can also subscribe and listen on Stitcher, on Acast, on Spotify. That's Woo! a new one. That's pretty exciting. Um, listen to us, subscribe, rate us, leave us a nice review, but yeah. only a nice review. We just taught you so much about the Black Death. Okay? Yeah. Now You're you know what to welcome. watch out for. Um, You're welcome. Um, you can also find us online. We are on Twitter at code underscore grays underscore. And as always, despite the fact that none of you do it, you can email us at codegrays at gmail.com. We would love to hear your Derek George quarantine slash. Oh my fic. God, please send us. It. I want to read it so fanfic. bad, but I don't want to search want for it myself. It. So do that for us. Yeah. Also, um, new social media. Yes. And we're on new social media. Patrice is yeah. in charge of our Insta. <laughs> Yeah. And it's pretty fun. You can see some uh, behind the scenes pics and videos of us recording and other fun shit. Um, so check us out. We're pretty much going to be migrating to Instagram because Facebook sucks so hard. Even though Instagram is just owned by f- or Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <I'm>, okay. <laughs> All right. Don't tell. Nobody so knows. Check us out. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah.